0: Well, good morning. So good to see you guys. Thank you so much for coming and worshiping with us. We want to give it up for our Grayson campus. Come on, can we get up for our Grayson campus? Yes. We want to welcome you here to our Moorhead campus. If you're visiting with us or new, we are one church in two locations. We have a. A location here and also in Carter County. So if you have family and friends in the region, they can find one of those locations. we love for you to connect and be part of, of our family here at Bear Life Church. also want to welcome everybody watching online and across the world. Thank you so much for tuning in to see what God is doing right here in Moorhead, Kentucky and in Grayson, Kentucky. We're super excited about that. If you have your Bibles, go with me to Luke chapter 19. Uh, Luke chapter 19 maybe you don't have one with you that's okay grab your phone you can go to the Bible app I'd encourage you to download that it's a great app it's completely free all the Bible translations on there I'm using the new living for today but you're more welcome to follow along with your app or or whatever you have if not they will be on the screens but we're just glad that you are joining us you know one of the greatest needs of a human being is this need to feel valuable like every one of us wants to feel significance, we want to feel worth, we want to feel valuable, we want to matter to someone, and we, we, whether we believe this or not, we are consciously or even unconsciously uh, every day wondering what people think about us. You may be wondering, you know, what your friends think, what your boss think, what your coworker thinks. You may be wondering what your spouse thinks. You might want to keep that to yourself right now, to after church. But anyway, like, what do you think about me? And not in a way of a, a, maybe a people-pleasing way, but how do I add value to you? Or am I even valuable to you or meaningful to you? And everything in our human heart is bent to find this significance, this value of worth to the people around us. But have you ever just stopped? just for a moment take a pen and paper out or, or or maybe grab your phone and go to the notes. you have to do it right now and write down what do you think god thinks about you like what are the thoughts that god has towards you ever thought about that like you have a list and you have, everybody has a list like you, you wonder what everybody thinks maybe you're saying go what does god think about me and there's only two things it's either a lie or it's true Either the enemy is lying to you what God thinks about you or it's truth what God says about you. But I will tell you how you perceive God is how you will receive him. If you think God is mad at you, God is disappointed in you, God is disgusted with you, God is ashamed of you, like if that's your thoughts that you believe that God thinks towards you, I promise you that will affect your life and how you live every single day. But if you will believe that God loves you, that God has a purpose for you, that God's not mad at you, but mad about you, that will change your entire perspective. So how you perceive God will determine how you receive him. And so everyone comes from a different background. You may be here going, well, pastor, you don't know where I've come from. You know, God, I, I don't know if you could forgive me because of my past. And we all have a past. Whatever that may be. Or man, I don't know because I'm in it right now. Like I, I still have this addiction problem. I'm still having this marital problem. I'm still having this whatever problem in your life. You're like, I just, I need to, I just don't know yet. Or maybe you would say, yeah, I, I, God loves me and would forgive me. But man, there's that one sin. There was that one time I just, I, I, I just don't know for sure if God can forgive me of that. And so you will write these things down on how God feels or thinks about you. And so when I was preparing this message, I thought there's a character in the Bible that I want to share with you today who dealt with this significance, worth, and value issue of what people thought about him, and then eventually maybe what God thinks about him. And if you were raised in church, I wasn't raised in church, so I don't know all the Sunday school songs about it. There's, if you were probably raised in church and went to Sunday school, you probably have heard of this guy because they make songs up about this guy. But his name was Zacchaeus, and he was a wee little man. That's all I know about it. I don't want to go any further because I want to mess up the whole like Sunday school vibe of that song. And when he was, says a wee little man, he was a short guy. And uh, someone who made fun of him his whole life. And also he became one of the most notorious sinners in his community. So it's with that background, the knowing this, that we dive into the story. We're going to read a little bit, talk about it, read a little bit, talk about it. And then I'm going to give you a chance to respond maybe to what you just prayed. And that was God opened the eyes of my heart. So if you're ready to get started, so let's go. All right, here we go. Verse one, Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. Side note, Jesus has no plan staying all night there. He's making his way through the town. He's heading to Jerusalem. So keep that in mind. He's just on his way, passing through town, walking from one end to the next end. Jesus is on his way. Verse 2 There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in that region, and he became very wealthy. He became very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but because he was a wee little man, because he was too short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead, climbed in a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass out of the city by that tree. Now let's just stop there and let's do a little background what's happening. Something is going on inside of Zacchaeus, right? I mean, come on. If, if, if you're Zacchaeus, you have all the money you could ever need for the rest of your life, you're extremely wealthy, with wealthiness don't fix heart issues. You're extremely wealthy. Anything you want, you can have it anytime you want it. But something has changed. Something is going on inside of Zacchaeus. He heard about Jesus. He wants to come in contact with Jesus, but he doesn't know how to get there. Why? Because he's a tax collector. Now, tax collectors, tax collectors are so bad in the Bible that, that the Jews actually have their own like category for them. It, it always says there were tax collectors and sinners. Like, you're pretty bad when you have your own category of sin. You know what I'm talking about? You know, like, I don't know if any of us had that, like, it's our own category of sin. But you're a tax collector and you're a sinner. Why is it being a tax collector so bad? Well, when you became a tax collector, you came employed to Rome. And Rome now has the oppression over you and controls you. So now you would go to the Jews and you would carry out the taxation tax the Jews, and then you would send the rest of it to Caesar because you render to Caesar what is Caesar. But if you was a tax collector, the way you made a living is you overtax the people, put a little bit in your pocket, and then you send the rest on that's accountable for to Rome. So the Jews know that you are stealing from them. And when you do this, they, out-kick you, they kick you out. They, they don't want you to be part of their crew anymore. You're kicked out of the synagogues. So you're no longer welcome in church. Your friends won't talk to you. People make fun of you. They say things to you in public. See, it's so easy to stand behind a computer and Facebook and say things about people. You would never say that to their face. That was free for someone to listen to this morning. But Zacchaeus, there wasn't no Facebook. There was nothing behind a computer screen. They said it to your face. You're a sinner. You turned on your people. You've committed treason. Why would you do this and cheat your people and go work for Rome? Like this was a bad, bad scenario for him. But he's not only a tax collector. Don't miss what the Bible said. He's the chief tax collector, which means he runs the whole Ponzi scheme. Like he's the one leading the scam over all the Jewish people at this time. But something's happening inside of his heart. And Jesus has caught his attention. So knowing that he couldn't get to Jesus, one, because... He was short, he couldn't see, but two, because he's such an outcast sinner, he really didn't mingle with the crowd. So he decides to run ahead of Jesus to meet him on the outskirts of town, which, by the way, is very disgraceful for a first century Jewish man to do, You see, when the little boys, Jewish little boys would play out in the street or they play games, they wore like a robe or, or I don't know how else to explain it, but kind of like this robe. And so the little boys would pick up the robe in the middle of it and they would put it in their mouth and hold it with their teeth and then they would play games. They would run and hop and skip and do their things, which is okay for a little boy to do. But when you're a full grown man... And and in this society, to pick up your robe or your gown would be to show your legs and to run. You cannot run in a row without picking it up. That's why when the man did that, it exposed his leg, which was very, very disgraceful in this culture for a first century Jewish man. And so for him to pick up his robe and run, the Bible says, was already going, I'm already disgraceful. And really, people already know this about me. He didn't care what anyone thought because he wanted to see Jesus. So the crowds are with Jesus, he runs to the tree, And Jesus walks directly to the tree. Now, this is, this is, see, some people like the humor in the Bible. This is fascinating. I love this. This is so funny. Look at verse 5. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus. Now, can too bad that? Jesus is rolling with his crew, his entourage, going through the town, making his way. Gets to the edge of the town, about to head into Jerusalem, head that direction. He comes to the tree and he looks up. First of all, I hope he had his, like, robe covered, just for the record. I don't know that. But he looks up, up at Zacchaeus, and he looks up at him. And and could you imagine Zacchaeus, he just wanted to see Jesus, right? He's trying to hide in a tree so no one finds him. Jesus walks up to the tree and looks up at him. Why do you think Jesus looked up at him? I mean, think about this. I love when you ask these questions about, about the Bible. Why would Jesus look up at him? Jesus wanted him to know, Zacchaeus, I know exactly where you are. And when I read that and thought of that, I I want you to hear this too, because I know what he was going through, how he felt so insignificant. Which leads me to to remind you, just I want you to be reminded of this, that no matter how I feel, Jesus notices me. No matter how insignificant I may feel about myself, Jesus notices me. And he notices you, watch this, 24-7. Like, you know, Jesus knows exactly where you are at all time. He knows what you're thinking. He knows what you do. He knows your thoughts. And some are like, oh, snap, I'm in trouble. He knows everything. He notices you. In fact, even, listen, even while you sleep, the Bible said he never slumbers. The only reason why you woke up this morning is because he watched over you and gave you breath. Do you know that? That's the only reason why you woke up. The Bible said his mercy endured through the night. And this means this. If you wake up today and you're breathing, that means God's not finished with you and he has a purpose. And I believe the purpose is no matter who invited you or what brought you here, God drawed you here this morning because he wants you to get something out of this story, out of this text, that no matter how insignificant I may feel about myself, Jesus notices me. He has never forgotten anything about you. Every pain, every tear, every circumstance, every situation, every heartbreak, everything you've ever gone through in life has never been hidden from him. And here's what he wants you to know this morning. He notices you. He knows everything about you. He knew you before you knew him. And he loves you that much. You see, one of the greatest expressions that I believe of love is attention, and we all want attention in some form of fashion by the people that we love. How many of your parents, come on, parents, get your hands up if you're parents. All the parents get your hands up. You know this if you're a parent, right? When you have kids, what do your kids say? Hey, Daddy, watch me. Watch me, Daddy. Watch me, Daddy. Watch this. I'm going to stand on the sofa, do a somersault into the pile of clothes that are six feet high that we should be folding, but we have too many socks just to match up, so we just lift them in the living room. Am I the only family that does that? Maybe so. I don't know. Somebody's like, you're preaching now, bro. I'm sorry, I'm preaching, right? And we told them no, not to do it a hundred times, but they still do it right. Watch me, Daddy. Watch me, Daddy. My little girl, uh, she, 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 said, uh, she said, Daddy, when can I go up on stage and dance and people throw flowers at me? <laughs> Didn't you, sissy? You want to come up here and dance with me? Come on. You want to come dance? Here's your chance. <laughs> sissy. Sissy, come here. You want to come dance? Here it is, your chance to dance with Daddy. We have no flowers, but we'll dance. And she said, "Wait, wait. why? Because she wants me to notice her. Because attention means what? You love me. Give me attention. Right, Terry? You're on this, right? Give me attention. Like, if you give me attention, that means you love me. And there's nothing more to be noticed by the people who loves you, right? We all know that. God notices you. He notices everything about you. He gives you attention 24-7, even though you may not know He Is even there because he loves you that much but not only does God know where you are just keep reading verse five when Jesus came by he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name Zacchaeus isn't there something powerful about your name in fact I would say that's probably the most powerful word in your own vocabulary is your name You're someone, someone says, Daniel. You're like, oh, somebody knows my name, right? You you listen to your name. You respond to your name. How did Jesus know his name? Like everyone's heard about Jesus, but how did Jesus know his name? You see, listen, God not, not only knows where you are, God knows who you are. Not only where you are, he knows who you are. You see, everyone talked about Zacchaeus, talked about his appearance because he was short, made fun of him his whole life. Talked about his dishonesty, He's not a true son of Abraham. If he was a true Jewish man, he would not rebel against his people and go work for Rome. And they said that to him to his face. They talked about his past. I can't believe you abandoned us. They talked about the presence. Get away. He's a sinner. He's the notorious chief of sinners. Stay away from him. And then they talked about his future. There's no way you are going to go into the kingdom of God. Imagine you're Zacchaeus, and that's what you heard your entire life. And what I love about this is Jesus not only notices me, but Jesus, no matter what other people say, watch this, accepts me. Jesus accepts me just for who I am. But he loves me so much, he's not going to leave me that way. Like Jesus accepts you just for who you are. You know what's so funny about this? You know what Zacchaeus means? It means righteous one. It means pure hearted one. So if you're there and Jesus walks up to the tree, basically he's saying his name, but and this time, in the context, your name is valuable to you. It means something. And, and you actually became the character of your name, or God would say, name them this because this is what they will do. And so he looks up at it and he says, hey, righteous one. Hey, pure one. And everybody's like, he ain't righteous, bro. You don't know this guy, man. He is not righteous whatsoever. I love that. Put yourself in the story because if you were there, that's what you would have heard because your name's significant. He said, righteous one. You see, Jesus don't even know where you are. He knows who you are and what you can become. In spite of your sin, Jesus accepts you just the way you are. See, some of you right now are going, well, I gotta get fixed. I gotta quit my addiction. I gotta fix my problem. I gotta make sure my marriage is on track. I got this little issue. I gotta work through. Hey, I'm still got this substance stuff. I gotta fix this problem here. And when I get right, then Jesus will accept me. Once I straighten up, once I clean up, then He will receive me. That is wrong. You gotta come to Jesus, and then He cleans you up. You can never clean yourself up. You're never good enough to fix all your problems to say, "Okay, now I'm right. I'm ready to give my life to Jesus. I'm ready to follow Jesus." God knew that that we could never do it, so he sent his son for us. And because we put our faith in his son, that's what makes us right with him. See, even while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us in our place. You see, "Hey righteous one, I see the potential in you. I see that you were made to be pure, not a crook. What are you doing?" See, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, we said this last week, that we are God's workmanship made anew in Christ Jesus to do the good works that I've planned for you. See, God planned good works for Zacchaeus, but he wasn't fulfilling his character of who God knew that he would be. So no matter how insignificant I may feel, here's what I need to know. Jesus notices me. No matter what other people say about me, Jesus accepts me just the way I am, but he loves me so much he's not going to leave me. That way. And thirdly, no matter what I've done, Jesus loves me. No matter what I've done, Jesus loves me. You see, his appearance made him feel insecure and lonely about himself. His accusers, who accused him all the time when he went out in public, made him feel bitter and resentful towards them. But his sin, because he knew he was a sinner, Because basically to a Jew, you sold your soul to the devil when you went to work for Rome. Made him feel guilt and shame. And all of a sudden, Jesus did the most shocking thing that's ever seen in this culture, in this time. You just don't do this. But Jesus just made everybody stand there draw, drop when he did this. Verse 5. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus. He called him by name, Zacchaeus. He said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. And everybody said, say what? Are you kidding me? You say you're a prophet? You say you're the one? Do you not know who this guy is? See, sinners don't go, you don't, if you're, if you are who you are, which is a rabbi here, you don't go eat with sinners. Sinners. Because it was the greatest form of fellowship with one another. But don't miss the text. Jesus says, I must go to your house. He's saying, I must lodge with you, which means I am going to stay all night in your house, which was a big no-no. Because if I went into his house, I became ceremonially unclean because I'm eating with a sinner. Jesus, verse 1, I'm just passing through town. And now we notice, I'm going to go hang out in your house. I'm going to stay with you the rest of the night. This is crazy. In verse 7, look what happens. Then the people were displeased. Because he had gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner. And they grumbled. Like, come on. We've all sinned, right? We've all of us have sinned. Some of you got great big sins. Some of you got gross sins. Some of you got wee, 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 wee little sins. Like, you know, just like, it's no big deal. It's just like a still little sin. But I doubt any of us are known as a notorious sinner. Is anybody here? So we need to know we'll pray all together. Come on. In fact, you raise your hand. <laughs> like, I'm a notorious sinner, Pastor. That's me, right? I mean, no of us, right? We're really not known as a notorious sinner. Some of you are going, yeah, man, I got a pretty bad past. I, 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 it's pretty shady. And some of you are like, really, really? I was kind of raised in church, and you know, and I said some things I shouldn't say and did some things, but I'm really not that bad of a person, right? I mean, because we all would categorize ourselves that we're not, like, notorious. But the reality is, according to the Scripture, is that one sin, no matter what that sin is, little, 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 little bitty sin, I got do a little bit, private sin, nobody even knows about that sin, a notorious public sin one sin separates you from God one sin and you can't get that back you can't earn it you can't work for it you can't give your way to it you can't serve it you can't pray it you can't read it none of that's what makes you right with God God knew that we can't come back to him so he sent his son to us And if we will put our faith and trust in his son, guess what happens? He restores that fellowship, that relationship that we had. And every one of your sin, your past, your present, and your future is forgiven. Every one of them. Not based on what I've done, but based on what he's done on the cross. And so you can imagine if you're a notorious sinner, like, well, there's no way I can ever see the kingdom of God again because I've disowned my people. I've gone against God. I haven't been in the synagogue. I haven't been to church in forever. And Jesus says, I'm going to go hang out with you. And I am going to stay in your house. Jesus knew that Zacchaeus' guilt would have held him back from inviting Jesus into his home. Because that's what guilt and shame does. Guilt and shame holds us back from doing everything that God wants us to do. Because the reality is, we've all done a lot of things that we're ashamed of. However, if you don't let your past die, it will not let you live. And some of you can't live right now because of something in your past. But if you don't let that die, it will not let you live. And if you want the better life that Jesus has promised, then you can't allow what used to defeat you define you anymore. And so Jesus says, Zacchaeus, I'm going to come to your house. I know you've blown it, but you've not lost value. I see significance. I see worth. I see potential in you. Why? Because I care about you. I want a relationship with you. And I'm ready to forgive you. So here's my question to you. How would you respond to this? If you're Zacchaeus. Because let's put ourselves in that situation. Every one of us have sinned. Every one of us. Notorious or not, we've sinned. Everybody. Both campuses. Watching online. We all have. So knowing this, that Jesus notices you 24-7. He accepts you just the way you are. Like you don't have to change anything right now. Just come as you are. And he loves you. There's nothing you've ever done that's going to make him stop loving you. Knowing those things, how should you respond right now? Like, what, how, what should your response be? I think we should respond exactly like Zacchaeus. Look what he does in verse 6. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. What did he do? He responded immediately to the invitation by name, and he opened his heart To follow Jesus immediately. That should be your response. The moment that you realize that Jesus notices you, accepts you and loves you, And the enemy's going to lie to you going, hey, wait, you tried this church stuff before. It don't work for you. Hey, you don't know everything there is about the Bible. I don't know if you should do this right now. Hey, what are your friends going to think if you really give your life to Jesus? You mean you're going to have to start coming to church every Sunday? You can't do it every Sunday, man, because you got ball games. you got things. You're not ready for this. Remember as a kid, you remember you went to that one church or this church or that church and they hurt you and they wronged you and they burned you? No, 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 no. You can't do this. See, that's what the devil wants you to, to think. But when you know that Jesus notices me, warts and all even when no one's looking even my deepest darkest thoughts that no one even can read and he accepts me and he wants a relationship with me I mean like the king of the universe wants a relationship with me and no matter what I've ever done or will do he'll never stop loving me that's a game changer man if I knew that what should your response be? Listen, open your house, open your heart, let him come in. He is here, he is in this place. The only reason why you are sitting here is because Jesus wants you here, period. I don't care who invited you, what they said they're going to do, they're going to take you out to eat, make sure you get something good, you know what I'm saying, if you do that. But whatever that is, he knew you would be here. If you're a believer, he brought you here to encourage you you don't know him yet you know him intellectually but you don't know him here he says I notice you I accept you I love you how would you not respond exactly like Zacchaeus when the Bible says today is the day of salvation why would we neglect such a great salvation and here's how we know that Zacchaeus was changed look what happens in verse 8 meanwhile Jesus didn't even ask him Jesus didn't tell him, okay, now that you're saved, here are five things you got to do to really grow in your faith. Here's five things you got to do to really show the world you're saved. He didn't even say that. He immediately responded out of the overflow of his heart. Look what it says. Zacchaeus stood up before the Lord and said, I will give half of my wealth to the poor. Lord, if I've cheated anybody on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much, which is more than what the law required. See, how do I know that Jesus really changed my life? Let me tell you. I become generous and I'm not talking about with my money. That was what was his stronghold. The moment Jesus changed my life I became generous in patience towards other people. I became generous in grace towards other people. I became generous in my mercy towards other people. I became generous in forgiving other people. Because my heart has been changed. When God generously gives me His love, His free gift of salvation and changed my life, how can I not be generous and bless and serve the people around me? How can I not respond that way? That's a sign that you know your heart has been changed. And then I love this in verse 9, I wish I had time to really dive into this in verse 9 and 10, but verse 9 it says, Jesus responded, salvation, which means deliverance, has come to this home today for this man showed himself to be a true son of Abraham." Oh my gosh, there is just so much, another whole sermon that we could do right here. But I love this. He said, deliverance has come today. And don't miss this, salvation has come. For something to come means someone has to bring it. Who brought salvation? Jesus. Who brings salvation today? Jesus, going to church won't save you. I can't save you. If I, honey, if I could save you, I would already lassoed you up and saved you. I can't do that. Only Jesus can bring salvation to you. All you got to do is receive it. Salvation is here. It has been brought by the cross. And going to church don't make you right with God, saying a prayer don't make you right with God, reading your Bible don't make you right with God. What Jesus did on the cross is the only thing that can make you right with God. So how do you respond to that? See Zacchaeus went public. I'll give it back. I'll give to the poor. I will right every wrong, whatever it takes. I just want to let the world know my heart's been changed. You know we go public too as Christians. You know what that's called? Baptism. And we have one next Sunday. It's where we as believers, we put the jersey on like we show the whole world. I'm part of the team. I'm going public. I put my faith and trust in Jesus. I'm going public. We're doing that next week at both campuses. So if you've given your life to Jesus, come on, put the jersey on. Let the whole world know it's time to go public. Show the world that your heart has been changed. Well, you know, I gave my life to Jesus, but I just don't know if I'm ready yet. What do you mean you're not ready? You're ready. Come just the way you are. And what I love about this is that Zacchaeus thought he was seeking Jesus but it was Jesus that was seeking Zacchaeus so you may come today going I'm trying to figure this God thing out and I'm just trying to work through it and you think you're back here trying to find out this God thing this Jesus thing and listen he's already seeking you how do I know that because you wouldn't be sitting here that is the Holy Spirit drawing you to a place to hear the gospel so that you were just like Zacchaeus get out of the tree with joy and excitement, and immediately respond to the gospel. And then we see this with the most famous verse right here, Luke 19, 10. Jesus says, For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. For a little side Bible study here, verses 9 and 10, is based out of Ezekiel chapter 34, for those who want to go and read that. Because what the Scripture was saying Is that my shepherds are supposed to keep the flock of Israel in place? But you have ran the flock of Israel off the lost sheep. And now the shepherds who are supposed to be in control and and shepherd them now are enemies of God. And this is a slam to the pharisees face and all the re- religious people who pushed all the sinners away and god's like you're now my enemy you're the one who's supposed to be shepherd my flock and someone like zacchaeus is now like you could solve the lost sheep because you don't think he's a true son of abraham but i say today he has been delivered what does it mean to be delivered that means that zacchaeus will never have to face the wrath of god because jesus is about to when god saves me you know what that means i will never ever, ever 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 everybody say ever You know what ever means in the Greek? Ever. Face God's wrath because Jesus took it on the cross and he took my place. That's what it means to be saved. That's why we call it good news because I will never have to face the wrath of God because Jesus took my punishment. That's good news. That's great news. And then he made the comment, the son of man, which means that's the title of the Messiah. The Messiah who's come to seek and save the lost sheep of Israel which they thought he was but Jesus says I come to seek and save those who are lost not lost position I know where you're at I'm talking lost relationally and Jesus notices that that's why he brought you here so just like Zacchaeus he's calling you will you respond to the gospel I'm going to ask if you would to bow your heads If you're here, you know about God intellectually, but man, you really never just like yielded your life, please hear me. Jesus notices you, everything about you, good things, bad things, and all in between. He accepts you just the way you are because He knows you can't change yourself. And there's nothing that you've ever done that will separate you from His love. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of deliverance. Don't delay. Don't delay. Give your life to Jesus. Now. How, How do I do that? Well, the Bible says if you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is the Messiah. That he is the king. That he is Lord. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. It says you will be saved. The salvation will come to you today. That's it. I just got to believe. That's just too easy. That's called grace. So if that's you and you're ready to say, I feel Jesus calling me by name. He's doing something right now. He brought me here and I'm ready to give my life to him. Then I'm going to ask you to pray with me. Please hear me. Saying a prayer will not save you. It's the heart that does that. But your lips can proclaim what your heart believes. And if your heart declares that Jesus is the son of man. That Jesus is the Lord. If that's your heart declaration. Then you can proclaim it with your mouth. Say Jesus I believe. I believe you came for me. I believe you died for me. I believe you got up out of the grave for me and as best as I know how I put my faith in you forgive me of my sin because I've blown it thank you that you notice me thank you that you accept me and thank you that you love me and today I surrender my life to you now as best as I know how Help me live for you all the days of my life. And if that's you, I'm going to ask you to do something for me. I'm not here to embarrass you. But just as Zacchaeus came down and then went with Jesus, I want to know so I can pray for you. I know what your next step is, is baptism. But today, I want you to show what the Lord has done in your heart, if that's you, and you say, "Pastors, I'll let you know, I just prayed for you." Just like the first services, we had tons of people give their life to Jesus. For you this, for you this afternoon, if that's you, and you prayed with me, would you just raise your hand? And say, "Pastors, I'll let you know, I just prayed this with you." Come on, get your hand up. You ain't to be ashamed. Now, come on, get it up. Anybody else? I see you. Anybody else? Come on. Not to be ashamed. You can put your hand down. Every one of you raise your hand. Salvation has visited you today. And the reason why it did is not because you're in a building, not because you're in church. The, this, God doesn't dwell in man-made things. It's because the Holy Spirit of God drew you here this morning, opened the eyes of your heart, and spoke to you and saved you. God saved you today. And you've been delivered. Your next step, obviously, is to put the jersey on, show the world, next week we got baptism come on let's go would you please go to the next step area why because that's your next step at both campuses we have some resources we want to give you and help you take your next step and following jesus come on church let's just pray right now let's just thank the lord for delivering and saving people today father thank you so much that your word is so true such a simple gospel presentation of how much you love us and care for us. That you notice us, you accept us, and you love us. How could we re- neglect such a great salvation? Thank you so much for opening the eyes of so many people's heart this morning. I pray now that you would surround them with your presence. That you would grant them favor. That you would fill them with your love. Lord, let them know that you love them and forgive them. And that you're with them. Now God, use them greatly to change the world and change this region change their family trees change their workplace change their schools all because of what you just did right now in their life we will always give you the glory and we will always give you the praise because it's you that delivers it's you that saves it's you that change people's lives thank you so much lord for what you're doing in our lives we love you jesus in your name we ask and we pray amen Thanks for joining us online today. If while watching this message, you were led to take a next step or made the decision to start following Jesus, we would love to celebrate with you. Let us know on our website at betterlife.church slash next steps. To stay connected throughout the week, download the Better Life app and consider subscribing to our YouTube channel or podcast. Lastly, if you'd like to support what God is doing through this ministry, you can give online at betterlife.church slash give now. We're praying you have a great week and hope to see you again soon.